Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. We want to thank you for tuning in. I work for him today and you are listening to us all across the United States of America and around the world as we're being heard in so many different places on iHeartRadio, letstalkfaith.com, Red Nation Rising, iTunes, on iWorkForHim.com, on our, on our rebroadcast, on live on the radio in Tampa Bay, three different times a day. We're so grateful that you have tuned in. And we're, today's day is a seriously big stinking day. It's inauguration day. Big stinking. The inauguration happened a couple of hours ago. This is a big deal. This was probably the most pretentious, contentious, ridiculous. I could make. I got to make up some other kind of word. It was just unbelievably difficult presidential election season, but it's past us. We now have the 45th president of the United States of America, President Donald Trump. It's a new start for our country, a new day to bridge the gaps, to bridge the divides that. So many have worked to build the last, however, you know, 10, 12 years, really 50 years. It's a new opportunity for us to get involved in a government of a country for the people, by the people, and run with us people. Will it be more of the same or will it be different? Is it going to be more of politics as usual, the politicians in it for themselves, or is it going to be a new day where the people in Washington actually represent the people of us out here in the heartland. Will our country head in a positive direction or continue to spiral its way away from God? Will we continue to deny the existence of the creator who helped us create our country? Or are we going to take a stand and take back our country as a body of Christ for Jesus? This country was founded on biblical principles founded on the testaments of the Old Testament and the New Testament, founded on the faith, the backs, the bodies, and the lives of hundreds of thousands of people over the last 250 years. Almost 250 years. What? How are you going to play? What are you going to do to get involved in this new administration? How have you started today to make a difference? You and I, we can make a difference. You and I, we are ready to make a difference. But it starts with prayer. Just like we challenge each and every one of you every day along with us to start praying for our coworkers and employees by name, today I'd like to challenge you to start praying for our president and our vice president by name each and every 
day for the next four years. And today on I Work For Him, we're going to talk about what does it take to make a great president? What are the features, the faces, what are the characteristics of a great president? How can we make a difference? And it's going to be through prayer, but it's also going to be through our example. How are you and I going to impact the country by our attitude, by our character, how we take our faith into the workplace, knowing that you and I can transform our workplace because our workplace, it's our mission field. And in that mission field, you and me, we may be the only Jesus our coworkers and employees may ever meet. The opportunity these next four years to transform not only your city, not only your state, not only our country, but the world by showing that we are the shining light, the beacon of light in this world, in a dark world. For eight years, we have experienced the administration of Barack Obama. We're not going to spend time going back. We're looking forward. There's nothing we can do about the last eight years. They're past. But we've got a new opportunity. And honestly, after about the first two weeks, I stopped praying for Barack Obama. Shame on me. I know we don't live in shame as Christ followers, but I, my challenge today, if you get anything out of the show, is I want you to write down on a sheet of paper to pray for President Donald Trump and Vice President Pence. For some reason, I'm forgetting his first name right now. I don't know why I can't remember his first name. Ace, help Mike. me out. Mike. Mike Pence. Thank you very much. Woohoo! I knew something. Way to go. Uh, and start praying for him right now. Now, at the same time, pray for your local congressman. Do you even know your local congressman's name? And do you know... I mean, you know, our local congressman here in this area is Charlie Crist. He used to be the uh, governor of the state of Florida. He tried to run for Senate, but ended up being a local congressman. We need to pray for these people. You know what? It, they go to Washington. It's like a deep-sucking pit of evil. There's so much pressure on them to compromise at the hands of a lobbyist and to ignore what you and I need out here in the heartland, in the real land of the country. All 50 states have needs, absolutely. But Martha, as we talk today about what does it take to make a great president, I just want us to dig deep into some history and dig deep into, I just want to remind people, we need to be praying. We need to be praying. We need to be praying. Uh, You know, you know that I've had some conversations with some people who are close in to the White House Mm -hmm. and you know, and that's not to brag. That's to say I'm privileged to at least know that, hey, here's where we need to be praying. They're asking for prayer. This administration is set up so differently than administrations in our recent past. There are a significant amount of Christ followers in the White House and on the cabinet. And that's fantastic. But we need to pray for them because they're dealing with hundreds of thousands of government employees that never have operated in an environment like that, right. probably. So... We need to be praying for these people. Most definitely. And it's not, you know, I, of course, I'm just going to get to the glass half full thing is the you fact the that best. our our government has so much great influence and opportunity. And for such a time as now, the people that are being appointed, the people that are being elected into different positions are there for such a time as now. And, it, you know, that scripture that we learned many years ago, and I believe it's in Second um, Chronicles, it says, it is at God's hand that men are made great and given strength. And that is where we're at right now. I mean, we're always at that point. Scripture is um, always true. But when we see people that are allowing God to be used in their life, and to use them as a vessel, 
Um, we really need to hold them up in prayer and pray for their strength and their um, decision making that they've been elected to do. Well, and it's it's important to note that every you know we've we've had forty four past presidents mm-hmm. and they've had good moments and bad moments. Every one of them. They're all human. They're all human. And what's really important to note is that God has used some of the ones that are anti God to do some incredible God things. I look back at Bill Clinton, not exactly a Christ follower, not exactly a moral example for many people, but he and Hillary during their presidential term, they eliminated partial birth abortion. Praise Mm -hmm. God. What an amazing thing, you know, and Donald Trump, whether you voted for him or not, president Trump and and Mike Pence, I, I just challenge you, you. You need to set aside the vitriol. If you have any, and start praying for him mm-hmm. because there's a lot of pressure. He is your president and we're grateful to have a president that is humble enough to surround himself with people who don't think like him. Right now, if they could just help somebody help him tweet more appropriately, you know, I might be better, but he's a little, he's a little excess of a tweeter, but you know, we've never had a tweeting president that really took advantage of that. But I, I think even when you look back at the history books, I just, I, I'm kind of jaded that way. The last eight years, they've been some tough years on attacks on Christian principles in our really values in this culture. But if it did anything, it awoke up the Christian public to get involved in the political process and elect a president that agreed on paper, at least we'll see with how we believe biblically. I mean, the attacks on marriage were amazing the last eight years. Yeah. And so um, one of the things that I know you really wanted to focus on today is the fact that we have had presidents over the years that have had some incredible faith. Some chose not to incorporate it in their office and some did. And we don't know what's ahead. We never know what people are going to do with their um their place of position that they're put in. But we are just um, excited to see the group of people that God has collected that um, are very much looking to the Bible for their answers. Ladies and gentlemen, the fantastic news of the day today is that we know there are many who follow Christ, who are in that, that have the Holy Spirit living in them, that are part of today's new administration. And there's also an opportunity, the I work for him opportunity that those in government power today that we've elected and now appointed through the inauguration day, they are there and they can show the real Jesus, not the religious Jesus that people try to portray. It's all about money, power and control, but the real Jesus and, and all about how he's making an impact in our lives. That's the opportunity that we've got in this administration. There's so many solid, powerful Christ followers. I mean, it's just Ben Carson. Housing and urban development. Mm-hmm. I mean, his faith is amazing. And he grew up in the projects and he's got a heartbeat for it. I'm just so excited about guys like, I mean, he's just one example. Right. But let's talk about how our faith has impacted our past presidents. And Ace, I want to bring in on the conversation here pretty quick, but I want to talk about how our faith has impacted our past presidents. And Ace, you're way more of a historian than than I am because you're, you know, you're, you're, I mean, you just are. You just know it. You think so? Really? I, I, I bet. Well, as I you asked were his... in high school more recently than we were. Well, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay. I get when you put it that way. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, so Ace has the privilege of, of hosting the Bill Bunkley Show here in Tampa Bay. 
every, Tuesday through Friday. And Bill Bunkley tends to deal with a lot of political issues, social issues that are going on right here in Florida and around the country. But Bill is heavily involved in faith and politics. And Ace has, the ch- has had the chance for many years to walk alongside Bill. So I know he knows more about this side of it because I work for him is not a political show. We're talking today about praying for our president and our vice president and the administration and our Congress, the people who represent us, that this will be the first time in decades that the people in Washington will listen to the people paying for them to be in Washington. So Ace, as we talk about our founding father, George Washington, the first president of the United States of America, what do you know about his faith and how he impacted his faith, impacted his job and his role as a president of the United States? Well, you know what I think about uh, with George Washington was his integrity and his, um, I guess his, uh, I guess, I guess I'm trying to say his ability to realize that I don't want to be this all powerful being because he was in a position back then to be president and ruler of America for as long as he wanted. Right. He could have been king. Yeah. He basically, yeah. They wanted him to be king. They wanted all of that. And he said, no, I, I don't want that. And he was a man of integrity. And I think that, that, It was because of his faith. He did not want to take advantage of the position that he was in for his own gain. He wanted to do what was best or what he thought was best for the country. You know, Martha, you and I, uh, three Aprils ago, had the opportunity to go to that little Methodist church down off of Wall Street Mm -hmm. where the first Congress was convened down the street and they walked down a little Methodist church and it was said that George Washington had prayed there with that initial Congress. And that to me was probably one of the highlights of the political things. I mean, the history of our country. I mean, to be in the same church that George Washington and our founding fathers prayed in, Mm -hmm. that was incredible. Yeah, it really was. And and by by no accident, it also is um, walking distance to the area where uh, the Twin Towers went down. The New Liberty Tower. um, It ended up being a... uh, place of congregation for people that needed help and connection during that terrible time of 9-11. And um, so it holds a lot of meaning because you know that from our founding fathers to uh, people of today, people went into that church and called upon the creator of the universe. Well, and there's a lot of people, Ace, that'll say that, hey, this country wasn't founded on biblical principles, but it's true that our constitution, the Declaration of Independence, our judicial system was set up biblically. And it is a known fact that the guys that signed that Declaration of Independence, they had everything to lose. Most of them were wealthy people. Most of them had significant assets that they had gained under British rule that they knew they needed. They were they all knew that they could die. So when you studied the founding fathers, when you studied that, what was the thing that stuck out to you most about those first couple of presidents? Uh, you know, well, first of all, as far as with our, as far as talking about our founding fathers, one thing that sticks out to me, I know Bill Bunkley has talked about this, and I've heard other people go into detail about this. You go down the list of the people who signed the Declaration of Independence and what happened to them after they did it. A lot of them suffered 
and paid a big price Mm -hmm. because they associated themselves with wanting America to be separated from Britain. And to me, right there, they knew the risks. They knew they could and probably will lose everything. And they said, it doesn't matter. We feel like this is the best thing uh, for us and for our friends and our family and for what we believe is the country of the United States of America. Well, and these guys wanted freedom from government intrusion in their religion. They came to this country to have freedom of religion without government interference. And in the last several decades, the government has gotten heavily involved in our religion, even though they were supposed to be. Remember, the separation of church and state was referenced in a letter by Thomas Jefferson. It was not part of the Constitution or the Declaration. But they they wanted to be freedom free from government influence on religion and the british government had their own they had their own uh, the anglican church it was that's where you went to church cuz the government controlled it, it- Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, too, the, the, the going back to the separation of church and state, the other thing people like to look kind of overlook with that whole thing is that Thomas Jefferson was actually referring to the government staying out of what the church was trying to do, right. not the church interfering with the government. And, and people have forgotten that over the last few decades. Conveniently forgotten it. Conveniently yeah. forgotten it. Mm-hmm. You know, Martha, more, rec- more recently... And we've had some phenomenal presidents. I mean, we're talking, you know, 44 past presidents. But more recently, I think of guys that, you know, when we were, well, when we were (laughs) in junior high school, uh, you know, Jimmy Carter was the president 40 years ago. Golly, is that even possible? (laughs) It doesn't seem possible. (laughs) 40 years ago. Jimmy Carter was the president. I can't believe that was 40 years ago. That is just embarrassing to say that 40 years no, ago. No, it's not. It's just but, a fact. But I remember going through, listening to him. I was very interested in politics, even as an elementary kid, and, and hearing him say, I have lusted after a woman. He was trying to be very transparent from his pulpit as a president of the United States. And he, you know, he, he wasn't a great economics guy. He, he, we had some serious issues to take care of, but... But he wanted to be transparent, and he set a great example. He and Rosalind were a a, a couple that were married, right? They're still married today, as far as I know. Is Rosalind still? Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure they're still married today. I think they're both. I know they're married, but I'm not sure if one of them. I know Jimmy Carter's still alive, but I'm not sure if Rosalind's still alive. Um, But but they they were an example of a solid marriage. They had good kids, and uh, he had a weird he had a uh, he had a weird brother, Billy. Carter, mm-hmm. I think it was mm-hmm. Billy Beer. Didn't come out with Billy Beer. Yeah. They made fun of him because he was a peanut farmer. But Jimmy Carter was like a guy who 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 pulled himself up by his bootstraps. But he was a professed evangelical Christian, right? And um, some of the stuff that we kind of read, you know, about this is he actually made the statement. You know, I am a born again Christian. And of course, it sent a lot of people to scramble because they didn't even really know what that yeah, what meant. Does it mean? And um, he, you know, just was very upfront about it and very honest didn't but just a real person and i think that's one of the things that we through all of the years up to today and including today we need to remember that the people that we elect they're still real human beings and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to um try to do the very best they can because they wouldn't have gone through what they just went through unless they had a desire to really fulfill what they've been called there to do. And we need to help people. I mean, we all need to understand that running the president, if you look at any president when they came into the presidency and they come out of the presidency, right up and including Barack Obama, who's just early 50s, they go in, they're healthy, they look great, they come out, they look like they have been, they're like 30 years older. Mm. I mean, Barack Obama went in, he had full head of black hair. 
he is almost all white hair or gray. I mean, it's it's amazing, and he's a young guy. It's hard work, hard doing hard what work. They do. and there's so much pressure, so little sleep, and you know they do get some leisure time. But when you look at then Ronaldus Maximus, as uh, you know Rush Limbaugh would say, Ronald Reagan, one of the greatest presidents of our time. You know, a guy that most people misunderstood because he was an actor first, mm-hmm. and because very few people have any positive things to say about Hollywood from the evangelical side. Ronald Reagan came in. And took the country by storm and really led us into an amazing period of prosperity for 20 years as a country because of the things he did. But he was a very private man about his faith. He and Nancy were very private, but Nancy led the led the war on drugs. She's the one who started it. Just yeah. say no. Yeah. What a beautiful woman we were in inside high school. and out. I mean, she just, you know, genuine message in all that she said. Um, can I read this quote? Yep. So at one point, Ronald Reagan is quoted as saying, I believe with all my heart that standing up for America means standing up for the God who has so blessed our land. We need God's help to guide our nation through stormy seas, but we can't expect him to protect America in a crisis if we just leave him over on the shelf in our day to day living. And that's that's (laughs) what's happened really since, you know, he led that fight. But when you look at what's happened from the time of Richard Nixon, which we're not going to talk about him today, all the way up to today, we have put God on the shelf in this country. Mm -hmm. We have pushed him to the sides. And as a church, as a body of Christ, we have allowed that to happen. And and by the way, Ace just checked it out. Rosalind Carter is still alive. I apologize. I I should have known that before I brought that up, but she's still around. But what were you saying, babe? So along those same lines, this whole concept of putting God on a shelf until we need him, that's why we're on the radio, because a lot of us do that in our daily life when we leave church on Sunday we leave the Bible on the desk at our home or put it back on the bookshelf and go about our week as though God doesn't make an impact in our life and that's why we talk about this every day on the air is the fact that it's whole life discipleship. We don't leave God somewhere. God is everywhere, whether we you know, invite him into the situation or not and that's exactly what um we just get that mentality. Let's now talk about and focus about the um, what we think would be some great characteristics for a president. Ace, we're going to let you go first. Age before beauty. Oh, <laughs> young age before beauty. Okay, but you're the you know you're the, you're the guy that deals in the political realm way more than we do. When you think of the top three characteristics of a great president, that we should be praying about these things for. Donald Trump and Mike Pence, what are your top three? Yeah, I'll go ahead and start off with strength. That You need to have the strength in order to make the tough decisions because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, part of being a president, you have to make decisions knowing that you're going to make people mad, mm-hmm. whether they're you know here in America or maybe other foreign countries who feel, feel like the decisions you're making are hurting them in some way, shape, or form. And so you also have to have the strength to be consistent as well. So I'll say strength to be able to handle that. Intestinal fortitude is really... Yes. Okay. Right. right. Uh-huh. Um, I'll say humility, uh, because you have to be willing to uh, defer to maybe some of your experts. Because let's be honest, Donald Trump and Mike Pence, they are not experts on everything. They aren't. There's going to be some things that are like, okay, listen, we need guidance from the people around us, the people that we put around us. And you know what else? Also the humility to go to God and go, you know what, God? 
even our experts don't know what to do. I need to turn to you. What is it that we need to do in this situation? Give me the strength. Give me whatever I need to make the right decision. And they have to be humble enough to do that. Okay, let's hold off before you're number three, because the strength thing, being able to make tough decisions. I mean, that's when you look at our past presidents, every one of them has had to make, for the most part, have had to make some really tough decisions because when they make decisions, people die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they've had to make some tough decisions, and and so that one makes sense. And we all know that Donald Trump is not afraid to make tough decisions because he all he, you know he's known for you're fired. Okay? I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's he's we're known for that. But this humility thing, that's something that if you were to put at the top of the characteristics of Donald Trump or Mike Pence, you might use that to describe Vice President Pence. Most people would not use that to describe our new president. Yes. Yes. So that is absolutely something we should be praying for. But I guess the one thing I have seen, though, since the election, he took on a completely different personality, it seems like, because all of a sudden it got real for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not sure he thought he was going to get elected. Well, I don't know that it was because of that. You're assuming that it's because it right. got real well, for him. I don't know. I've but not I had a conversation with him. He won't take my calls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have to dial the number first. But um but I also think that he he was done with the fighting part. You know, the election was really about, you know, it, it was a competition. And so that competition part was done. And so I think that part of that, it was just the mentality of being in that, that competition mode for the election. But I would say that he's he has shown humility in the people that he's elected to put around him he's or select, selected. Right. And I would agree with that. Ace, how would you, and that's a great point because I was going to say that. Mm-hmm. So you took my point away. All right, good. But Ace, how would you like to see humility demonstrated from the president of the United States? Well, I will say too, another thing he did show a little humility was in his speech at the Republican National Convention when he officially accepted the nomination. He said during his speech, he said, I also want to thank the evangelical Christian community for supporting me like they have. And then he he added this, he goes, even though I probably don't deserve it. And when he said that, that was a little bit of a surprising, a surprisingly candid moment in the middle of a very important speech that he even admitted. He said, you know what? There have been times I have not acted like what evangelical Christians would expect me to act like. And I'm still thankful for your support anyway. And so there's some of that. I would like to probably see a little bit more of that, that I do appreciate his his candid moments. I mean, there are some that haven't been <laughs> the finest of candid. his moments. With a filter. Yeah, candid with a filter, so to speak, if that makes sense. Uh, But especially when it comes to humility, I think people would appreciate that. So one of the things that I would, you know, when I think of humility, Martha, I think of that I would like to see my president admit when he's wrong. Because that's something we haven't seen demonstrated in a very long time from a president of the United States or a vice president of the United States. I want to see some humility by going, you know what? I screwed up, made a bad decision. Sorry. You know, instead of just going, yeah, I made a bad decision, but I'm just going to, I'm going to relish, I'm going to relish in my bad decision and just keep saying I made a bad decision. Just go right along with it. All right. So what's your third one, Ace? All right. So this is going to be a little bit different, but I think this is important for a president to have. I think Donald Trump needs to work on this is being a, uh, a comforting presence for the American people. 
if you look through American history, a lot of presidents have had to take on that role, so to speak, of being a national comforter because of something horrible that's happened to us, whether it was FDR and, and Pearl Harbor or maybe Ronald Reagan. And uh, I, I can't remember the name of the space shuttle that uh, exploded. Challenger. The Challenger, when that he had to make a speech or, or Bill Clinton with the Oklahoma City bombings or George W. Bush. I think one of his finest moments ever as a president was when he was at the World Trade Center Agreed. speaking on the that that loud speakerphone or, or whatever the megaphone that's mm-hmm. it and uh some firemen firemen and policemen in the back said hey we can't hear you and george bush said well i can hear you and the world can hear you and i think it was one of the finest moments and in, in one of those times where he was really a comforting presence donald trump is going to need that because unfortunately something bad is going to happen in the next four years and he's going to have to be up the kind of at the forefront for it would you describe that as sensitivity Maybe so. Maybe sensitivity is a better way of putting that. Uh, I just know he has to be that that presence that when something goes wrong and he has to stand in front of the American people and go, we're going to take care of this. We have to be comforted by that. We can't go, oh, geez, is he really going to be able to do that? Uh, because there have been times where, you know, Donald Trump has maybe been a little too candid, seemed a little too wild. And we kind of think, oh, do we think, you know, we have to be comforted by his presence. Those are some wise words. And that's from the millennial generation. That's what they're looking for. And I agree. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and I'd like to see that comforting presence. Uh, that To me, that sensitivity. And again, that goes along with humility, because if you're going to I would like to see the sensitivity and the comforting presence in this culture battle. Some like to call it a race battle, but we're all part of the human race. But the culture battle that has been fueled by the last administration. I want to see Donald Trump throw ice on that on that fire and bring comfort between us as Americans bring us all back together because I'm, I'm sick and tired of the fighting. I mean, well, and the media works so hard at, at fueling it. Uh, let's because that makes for good entertainment. That's why, unfortunately, we, it's so much bigger than just some good entertainment. This uh, is running our country. And we're talking today about Inauguration Day, a phenomenal day today. As the next, the 45th president of the United States of America has been elected, Donald Trump and Vice President Mike Pence. Our new administration is in place today. The world will be different because of these next four years. And we're I, the challenge just from my work for him is that we would pray for Donald Trump and Mike Pence and that we would pray for the people that they have that are out and out blatant Christ followers that are part of the administration, that they will live out. I work for him every day and then we'll get an opportunity someday to bring some of those people on the show. That would be really cool. But we may never get that. So that's OK. But I, I, we need to be praying for those people. So, Martha, when you look at your top three. Mm-hmm. for characteristics of a great president. What were what are your top three? And it's okay for you to agree with Ace if that's joined. It's okay. To, well, I think they were good ones. I they think were that phenomenal One of the choices. things, um, and really when he was describing the comforting presence, to me, it's um, somebody that I can have confidence in, that I believe is going to um, do whatever it is that needs to be done in that moment, but having confidence in them. I remember thinking as a young mom, um, when our kids were little, I was longing to be able to help our kids understand how to adore the president of that role. <laughs> During because, the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Yes. Yeah. To that be was spe- a little rough. To be specific. But I remember 
as a teenager and into my young adult before we had kids that I had looked at presidents almost with like a grandfather type of a respect. And so I really respected them. I trusted them. I had confidence in them. And those are all things that I really desire to see again, instead of it being, well, what are they going to do this time? You know, that's going to do this or whatever. the National Enquirer in the White House. Like I said, I understand everybody is human. Everybody makes mistakes. But to be able to know that you have confidence in that person and their ability to, if they don't know, to figure it out and and okay. to run our country. So that's your number one. What's your number two? Well, and these are just three oh, that you're going to And I definitely, on the, on the area of, um, along with Ace, strength, I was thinking backbone. And I don't really know that that's a character quality, but having a strong backbone because he's not going to please everybody, but to do what's best for the decisions of the country. Well, and it's important that the president and the Congress understand they don't just represent Republicans. They represent the entire nation and they don't need to compromise on principles, but they do need to serve all of us. And that's independence and libertarians. What all? The, I'm just mm-hmm. saying the president serves everybody. He's at the will of the people. Right. And I, I guess my third thing would be along those same lines, too, of what you were just saying is working with both sides of the aisle, being able to take all of the opposition and bring it together and somehow coming to without moral compromise, coming to an agreement on what's what is really best a negotiator to deal maker is that what you're saying hey, that works okay all right. i like that uh, and and again we're trying to describe what makes a great president and we've seen these qualities in some in some of our presidents in the past and we've seen them lacking some other qualities but this is not a celebrity contest you know and and i want to see i'm not gonna give you my three qualities yet but what i want to see is more than anything i want president trump and vice president pence i want them to go all in Never thinking about re-election. I don't care if they get re-elected, if they do the job we called them there to do. And anybody in Congress, you know, whether you're in the House or in the Senate, go there and do your job and forget about re-election. Because if you do your job, you don't have to worry about re-election because mm-hmm. you'll get re-elected. Good point. But so many congressmen, so many people go into the the the, the house of the houses of Congress, the Senate and the House. And they, they work for about five months and they start on the reelection campaign. You know what? I'm not voting for you again. I'm sick and tired of people going there worried about perpetuating their job. If you do your job well, you will perpetuate your job. Now, the president can only perpetuate it twice. That's great. That, that brings up another good point is not waiting till the end and panicking to, did I fulfill all the things I promised or, you know, get working on them and really be diligent. Yes, because the president can't write law. He has to work with Congress to write law. Which takes and time. executive orders are not law. And so, you know, the and when the president can't get done what he wants to get done, he can't just go write law. That's just, we don't live in an emperor dumb. So <laughs> is that a word? It is now a word. Emperor, Emperor dumb. dumb. Emperor dumb. Ace <laughs> gave me the thumbs up. So it is a real word. You know, today is the celebratory day. There's not another nation on this planet, not another nation on this planet that has the system of a, well, we're not really a democracy. We are a republic. Re- Oh, yeah. I was about to say it, but Republic. Yeah. We're a Republic, but yes. we're a, what kind of Republic? We are a uh, representative, representative Republic. Yeah, Republic. Yeah, Sorry. All of a sudden, it, see, it's all the pressure it's being like, on the Ace, air. What is Jim thinking? Ace is get in, Ace get in is, his head because I can't. This is the place where you go get answers. That's right. <laughs> but we're, 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 we are, 
we are the hope for the world. Everybody wants to come to our country because we have freedoms here that people nobody has anywhere else in the country on the world. Mm. I mean, Cuba, 50 years off our shores, people have been going on rowboats and and any kind of little pontoon to get out of their country where they had no rights to come to our country where they have all rights. We're talking today about the characteristics of a great president. Ace's top three were strength or intestinal fortitude, <laughs> humility, and a comforting presence. The ability to be a, 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 a sensitive. And Martha added to that confidence. Somebody that you can have confidence in. Mm-hmm. And, and and she agreed on the backbone thing. It's not that we're agreeing and disagreeing. We're just yep. added to it. She wanted to reinforce that. And that the person has the ability to deal with both sides of the aisle. Eliminate the political vitriol and work to represent the people of the United States of America. And I want to add this. I want a president that is out of balance a budget. Ooh, I want a president a that actually could do his own stinking checkbook. That knows what a P&L looks like and a balance sheet looks like <laughs> and understands that ours in the United States of America is screwed up. That understands that we can't give money away that we don't have. That it is great to be a blessing to the world. But we can't borrow money to be a blessing because that's just what you call stupid. That we need to defend our own borders because there are naughty people out there who want to destroy our borders and destroy our country. In fact, it's going to happen one day because I read the book. And in the end of the book, the United States of America, it's not mentioned. But we don't have to give it up now. We can fight for it. And as Billy Graham said in the mid-70s, the next big revival in our country is going to happen in the workplace. What if that workplace started to be the White House of the United States of America? Mm, We're Christ followers that we have elected, Mike Pence, and we'd like to lead to Christ, Donald Trump, and people in the cabinet and his administration like Reince Priebus, who's an evangelical Christ-following believer. These people need our prayer cover. Mm -hmm. So I want... The ability to somebody to actually balance a budget. Okay. I want somebody that's a good delegator. You know what? Because that's how Donald Trump got to be a successful business person. He's not the smartest and his filters got way too big of holes, but he has obviously surrounded himself with genius people or he wouldn't be worth $9 billion. It just doesn't happen. You can't do that on your own. A good delegator. And I want somebody that's going to hold people accountable. Both sides of the aisle period. Not afraid to hand out punishments and say, you're fired. (laughs) Because what I've seen in administrations past in my lifetime is that people do stupid things and it hasn't been since Richard Nixon admitted that he did something wrong. That's after he got caught. And then he resigned before he got impeached. Nobody else has admitted they've done something wrong. I, I, I just... If you do something wrong, people should be fired. And if they need to go to jail, send them to jail. Because if they break the laws of the United States of America, if you and I do that, we go to jail. So I want people held accountable from all levels. I want the laws of this country enforced. And I want us to encourage great moral character from the top down. Mm -hmm. And I want to see that stuff. I, I just think it would be amazing if we saw that stuff. It is. And so today is a day to celebrate it and is to a day pray to for these new elected officers that are going into their positions and pray that they get to make a difference that God's called them to make. But it is 
it is a prayer time. Mm-hmm. And so I think we should pray before we close out the show That's for awesome. our president and vice president in the new Congress. So let's just pray. Father, I just lift up President Trump and Vice President Pence. What an amazing opportunity it is to have those two in the White House. Lord, there's just as much danger in electing them as there is hope. But Lord, with you as our sovereign king, you are still on the throne. We pray for the hearts of Donald and Mike. We pray that they would be impacted by Jesus and the impact that he made on all of us. May he make an impact on the White House that they would be humbled before your throne, that they would make an impact on this country for Jesus by loving everybody, even those that throw negative bomb insults at them all the time. Father, we just thank you for our new president and vice president and the administration. We pray for humility and wisdom for them as they run our country. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to I Work For Him today. It's been a little out of the box, but I want to thank you for praying for our president and vice president. It will make a difference. Start praying for them right now. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I I Work work For for Him. Him.